Welcome back to Fireside, a podcast from FS Investments. My name is Kara O'Halloran. I'm a director on our investment research team here. And I am once again joined by Lara Rehm, our chief U.S. economist. Lara, welcome. Hey, thank you. This is going to be a good one. I think so, too. It's a, a hot topic. Um, so we are back again to talk about inflation and more importantly, the big question out there, which is why inflation is rising and bond yields are falling. So we did an entire episode on inflation a few months ago, and we said that that would not be the last time that we were talking about inflation in 2021. And we were spot on because here we are. Um, And on that episode, which keep in mind, we recorded before both the May and June CPI readings. We talked about how we did expect inflation to rise largely due to base effects as prices had really plummeted last year. But we also talked about some of the supply constraints and pent up demand that could cause pricing pressures. And now, lo and behold, here we are. We had a CPI reading in both May and June north of 5%, which were the largest increases in over a decade. But another thing, Lara, that you said then is ignore, ignore, ignore. Mm. And we've seen that happen. At least I should say markets have not really reacted. We as investors are certainly paying close attention to inflation. Um, Actually, I think the market reaction has been a little bit surprising because, as I said, interest rates are declining. Yep. The the yield on the 10-year treasury has fallen in recent weeks at one point dipping below 120 basis points. So, Lara, the million-dollar question is, why are bond yields falling while inflation is rising? All right. <laughs> Let's Long tackle this right off the top. <laughs> um, it's important to really, I think, on the interest rate side, realize that, you know, historically, we've had a, a more clear-cut driver of interest rates. And one of the big pieces of that is inflation. You know, a lot of us, uh, you know, remember, maybe not you, Kara, but <laughs> but, peop- but me, my parents, um, a lot of the baby boomer generation. I've heard um, about it. Yeah. <laughs> remember, you know, the inflationary period of the 70s and 80s, and interest rates certainly were rising in lockstep with those higher in- inflation rates. So, Inflation is absolutely a part of the broad interest rate narrative. But the driver of interest rates right now has really changed. Um, We've seen structurally, outside of inflationary trends, over the past several decades, we've seen interest rates fall. That's been something we've all been experiencing as investors, um, as you know, home buyers, <laughs> we've all seen uh, interest rates on this multi-decade decline. And it's left us with global yields that are in many cases negative, especially for developed markets. That really puts pressure on US interest rates to fall. And then of course, the pandemic, really, and this started in the global financial crisis, we've seen Fed policy pivoting to explicitly pushing down long-term interest rates as a way to help uh, support the economy. So right now, um, in, I think it's, it's wrong to say that markets are totally ignoring inflation. It's just that all of these other factors are really overwhelming any concern about inflation because policy, structurally and globally, we are experiencing low interest rates. So are markets right? You know, should we should we ignore inflation? How closely should we be paying attention? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think this is really where the rubber meets the road because um, while markets, and I think, you know, we say ignoring it, you know, we look at long run market interest rates, right? Like 
the 10-year yield, exactly as you said. Today, I just checked walking in here, 124 is the long-term, you know, the 10-year yield. And you look at sort of the market rates that reflect inflation expectations. And I looked at the 10-year break-even, it's at two and a quarter, right around. Um, but consumers are not ignoring inflation. Investors are not ignoring inflation. Companies, you know, we're coming off of, a, you know, we're still in the middle of an earnings season where inflation is one of the most mentioned um, buzzwords of earnings calls. So, you know, when we look at, we actually have really good surveys of consumer uh, inflation measures and what, you know, households are expecting. And in the next year, households are expecting CPI to remain around where it is, around 5%. Over the next five years, Households are expecting inflation to be around 3%. Those numbers show that while you know, markets may be um, throwing the dart out into the future and hitting mu at much lower than sort of this 2% number that everybody always sort of co naturally coalesces around when we think of inflation and what's the right level of inflation, a lot of other stakeholders are not being so sanguine. And I think that's really... Um, a question. So, but that's not what you asked me, right? You asked me, are they right? And I think that is something that I am perhaps more concerned about. We're seeing, you know, this is where we have to remind people, inflation isn't just a CPI print, right? Inflation is wage inflation. It's household wage expectations. It's this cycle of, um, companies facing higher input costs, right? We have commodity price inflation. It's all of those um, cycles that then cause companies to raise their prices and um, cause households to see higher prices coming at them and demand higher wages, right? This whole ecosystem is really what we're thinking about when we think about inflation. It's much more than just one number. And right now, all signs are pointing to um, inflation rising for the next several quarters. So this brings up another question that I have. I think if unprecedented was the word of 2020, I'm going to coin transitory as the word of 2021. Yeah. Um, we have heard it ad nauseum, uh, but what does transitory mean? I mean, you, you just said we could see prices increasing for the next several quarters. I, I don't understand what transitory is. You right. know, to, it can mean something different to everybody. <laughs> and I think, I think that is a big misunderstanding right now. And it's one that, as market analysts, we've created. Um, you know, when we had our podcast before, which really correctly, you know, f foresaw this really big rise in prices, that was really because of base effects due to the pandemic, right? That really took place in March, April, and May. Here we are in June. Those sort of technical base effects should have passed us should have passed by now, but we're seeing a whole other parts of um, of price pressure coming from food, from used cars, from input costs, and people say this is all going to be transitory. But transitory could be the next four to six quarters. We could be talking about inflation running much higher than we're used to, well into 2022. So from you know the markets viewpoint from the Fed's viewpoint, you know, they're thinking in such a long-term horizon. Um, but as investors, as households, we could really be in for quarters of inflation that continues to bubble up 
from a lot of different places in our economy. Well, and especially since there are, as you said, those different sources, this is probably a terrible analogy, but I think about it almost like my credit card statement because, you know, I convince myself every time I'm like, oh, it's it's high because I just had that one big thing I had to buy right. during that month. Yeah. And, you know, but it seems as though every single month I find some big purchase <laughs> that I just must make. And that's why I, I perpetually have a high credit card. You know, I, yeah. I pay it every month. Don't worry. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it's kind of like inflation. It's, you know, we, yeah. we could see just those one-off things um, keep that inflation number higher. That's exactly right. I mean, I think something that we often notice just as people who live in the economy that, you know, the CPI numbers will look really low, maybe not right now, but, you know, in years past. And we're like, wow. And yet the concert tickets and my cable costs and my, you know, a lot of day-to-day things, my, you know, my grocery basket feels like it's rising a heck of a lot faster than um, you know, sort of some 2% number. And right now, I think we're really feeling that. I mean, we have to buy a car, Kara. Oh, so just no. to let you into my little oh, piece no. of the inflation picture. Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I sent you, prices are rising faster than stores can reprint signs. I think yes. I sent you a, star, a, a photo from a Starbucks yeah. a couple weeks ago where they had literally crossed off the prices and added higher, uh, handwritten true. in higher prices. Yep. We got a good laugh about that. <laughs> um, so, all right, I want to bring this back to the interest rates conversation. Yep. So looking ahead, do you see anything that could increase interest rates substantially? You know, maybe that's tapering, which we all remember the taper tantrum, and that that could yeah. be a thing that happens sooner than later. Tapering, not necessarily a tantrum. Right. So I'll, I'll leave you to talk, <laughs> talk about that. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that inflation and interest rates are related and they are going to continue to orbit each other at times really knocking into each other because um, the Fed is now laying the groundwork to probably start tapering their asset purchases, to start um, at some point, probably not for a very long time, but to start raising interest rates. That alone is enough to cause volatility in the markets and in interest rates. But now you're going to see volatility in the inflation numbers. And you know, let's face it, we've gotten pretty used to boring inflation numbers over most of the 2010s. So it could really start, and it has been, um, moving significantly and needing some deeper dissection. And all of that could amplify interest rate volatility. So, you know, these two things are absolutely connected. If markets start getting concerned, that inflation is not going to be quote transitory or they start maybe getting taking on board the idea that transitory is going to be well into 2022 um, that could very well cause long-term interest rates to move higher and we still got interest rates in you know europe that are negative <laughs> in in the you know in the 10-year five-year um tenor so how far could interest rates rise? I don't think we're going to see a quick snap back up to anything like we're used to uh, from 10 years ago. The reality is we're still talking about a world where if U.S. rates rise globally, there's going to be demand to buy those assets. So, um, you know, but I think at the end of the day, um, we're going to continue to see this mismatch between what we think markets should be worried about, inflation, and all of the factors that are really keeping long-term interest rates low. And at the same time, as investors, we could really be dealing with some inflation numbers that are higher than we're comfortable with.
Yeah. And, and I think that from the market side of things, as you said, just interest rates are really driving everything, at least in my view right now. Um, yeah. But we have started to see, you know, I think back a couple of weeks ago, we had the consumer sentiment. One of the surveys came out, I think it was the University of Michigan survey yeah. and um, consumer sentiment was weighed down by uh, inflation expectations. Absolutely. And we saw a pretty risk off day. Yeah. Um, it's, it, we're kind of getting this whipsaw uh, <laughs> around interest rates and inflation. And, you know, of course, markets continue to make new right. highs. But, you know, right. we're seeing some periods of of um, risk off there. Based and on maybe the, the best way to express that exactly to your point, Kara, is that just because interest rates are low does not necessarily mean markets are ignoring inflation. And absolutely, the economy is not ignoring inflation. You're seeing it impact households. You're seeing it impact businesses. And um, I mean, I know, heard I heard the pain in your voice when you said you had to buy a car. I, mean, I knew exactly, exactly. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten inflation's complicating a lot of our yeah. lives at this point. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not a topic to ignore, and it absolutely will be front and center in the coming quarter, and I think for several quarters afterwards. Yeah. Well. I said it before and I'll say it again. I am sure we will be back uh, to talk about inflation again at some point this year. Yep. But in the meantime, Laura, it sounds like, you know, even if we do continue to see inflation rising, we're not expecting interest rates to necessarily follow suit. Is that that correct? That's exactly right. right. I mean, I think, you know, as we watch the Fed start to um, be more specific about their tapering expectations about any possibility of raising interest rates, um, we're going to see markets that are still really, um, at the end of the day, driven by a lot of the structural factors that have pushed interest rates down over the last three decades. And we're also going to see globally low interest rates just this magnetic pull down for U.S. interest rates as well. And finally, you know, keep in mind that if we do get interest rates, you know, sort of spiking higher, uh, you know, gosh, I, I don't expect another taper tantrum. I think, I hope the Fed's learned their lesson, but it's certainly a fraught <laughs> environment for as some miscommunication. I think even if we don't see another taper tantrum, um, remember, we are sort of at peak growth right now. Our recovery is going to continue um, for some time, but growth will decelerate. It's not an outlook for weak growth, but it won't be as strong as it is right now. With all of this out, really eye-popping GDP growth that we've had, interest rates still have not really risen sharply. So all of that um, gives us an outlook where, you know, I think you could see 10-year interest rates below 2% for a very long time. And that's what I think at the end of the day is concerned as investors get about inflation, they still need to um, think about returns that are going to keep pace with this higher inflation. I mean, oh, I, the real yield on the 10 year treasury just hit an all time low exactly, yesterday. Exactly. I think I think it's easy to forget. And it's it's something that's very front and center for investors, the impact that yeah, the difference between 2% inflation and 3% inflation is huge when you're looking at bond yield returns of, you know, 1%. One, yeah, exactly. <laughs> income at 1% on mm-hmm. your sort of traditional fixed income. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, this this whole conversation, I mean, it just speaks to everything we've talked about, about the, the need for income, the search for yield and how difficult it is. And, you know, one and a half 
yield on the tenure even gets to that, that's not enough income. <laughs> right, know? right, right. Yeah, um, that's absolutely fixed income. right. So that definitely remains a challenge. That's absolutely right. I think it really all just speaks to the continued push into the into the into credit assets, you know, into into risky anything assets. Anything that has, so, yeah, anything yeah. with some some yield on it. That's the investor not ignoring inflation. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. Even though, yeah. Even though yeah. markets have low inflation, investors are absolutely it's hard and to rightly ignore. Focused yeah. On it. Right. It's it's hard to ignore your your one percent yield. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Laura, thank you so much, as always, for joining. And uh, we will be back again soon, I'm sure, to talk more about inflation. Absolutely. Thanks, Kara. This podcast is brought to you by FS Investments. If you found this helpful, subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they are available.